Welcome to the Gooder Podcast. I'm your host, Diana Frake. Thanks for joining us today. As partner and CMO of Retail Voodoo, an award-winning branding agency, I have met and worked with some of the most amazing women in the naturals industry, food, beverage, wellness, and fitness. As such, I decided to create the Gooder Podcast to interview these great people and subject matter experts and have them share their insights, expertise, passions to help all businesses around the world become gooder. Um, and today we get to welcome Ashley Hartman, Senior Principal at Blue Stein Ventures, a family-backed venture capital fund that invests in the future of food. Yay. She has extensive experience leading growth strategy and establishing scalable infrastructure necessary to build sustainable ventures, honing those skills throughout her time running and scaling her family's business, working on new ventures at Coinstar, and her experience <clears throat> in financial consulting. Sorry about that. She's also active in the Chicago food community and serves on the selection committee and associates board of the Good Food Accelerator and is a mentor at the Food Foundry and the Hatchery. Hey, the Hatchery, yo. I spoke to Natalie recently. I like them. They're good people. Hi, Ashley. How are you today? Hey, thank you so much for having me. It's so fun to chat with you. Of course. How's Chicago? You cold today? You warm today? What's the day? Oh it is 50 degrees and sunny and it's the end of November. So I cannot complain. <laughs> okay. And I think the last time we spoke, it was colder. Like you guys are kind of doing that. That's why I'm saying, is it hot or cold today? I know. I know. I mean, I can't take any day that's above 50 in November for granted. So yep. definitely walk outside and I've been trying to enjoy the weather because you never know how long it's going to last. <laughs> uh, right. Mm. Well, so let's talk about Blue Stein Ventures. Uh, you guys um, are not new. There was a little bit of a rebrand. So, you know, let's just kind of do a little quick level set. Who's Blue Stein? What do you guys do? What's your expertise? What are you all about? Yeah, happy to share. So Blue Stein Ventures is a family-backed venture capital fund. Um, as you mentioned in the intro, we invest in the future of food. Um, and we invest in the food industry across the value chain. So we do both B2B and B2C. Okay. And we focus on four key areas. So we have high gross consumer brands. So that's probably most relevant for your audience. Mm -hmm. um, then we have next gen commerce, which is really how consumers get food in this new omnichannel world. Mm -hmm. um, the third area we focus on is proprietary food tech. So that's heavy IP based solutions that are kind of real future of food. Okay. Their um, timeline, higher CapEx requirements. And then the last um, area we focus on is digital technology that powers the industry. So that covers restaurant technology, logistics technology, supply chain technology, marketing technology. Okay. So we invest in the early stage. So we invest between seed and series A. Um, and today we have 23 companies in our portfolio that program okay. it across the whole supply chain. Um, on the CPG side, we have Vive Organic, which is a two ounce wellness shot, um, okay. Base Culture, which is a grain-free baked good company. Um, we have Your Bay, they're a enhanced uh, caffeinated sparkling water brand based on Yerba Mate. Um, we okay. have Disney, which is a cold brew coffee platform, um, Rethink, which is a kid's packaged water and juice brand. Um, and then we have Buddy Nutrition, which is a personalized um, protein powder. Um, and our last one on the CPG side is Real, which is a sustainable um, toilet paper brand. 
Oh. Never thought, yeah, toilet paper was going to be sexy until 2020. <laughs> <laughs> Who knew? <laughs> Who knew? And like, it's crazy in social media, apparently, uh, you know, well, when stores are running out of product uh, and it, people are buying DC, it's all about, uh, you know, accessibility. And there's some crazy um, I mean, not just techno technological technology wise. I mean, everything from bamboo base to recycled content, et cetera, et cetera. But like, it's getting fun and funky out there with the toilet paper. It's crazy. I know. I know. I never knew that this was going to be a really fascinating industry. And I've learned a lot about it in 2020. Oh, right. And then, and, and you throw in like moist toilet tissue, you know, MTT and it's starting, it's just bigger and wider and wider. It's crazy. I want to ask you a quick question. You guys specifically focus on, on um, companies and brands that are between seed and series A. That's very, very specific. Is that because of expertise or is there a little bit of passion? Do you like that, that type of client? Cause you like what, where they are in their headspace? Yeah. So, um, it's a combination of both. So when we were thinking about how you kind of build your portfolio, um, we noticed that there wasn't a lot of capital within that space, okay. uh, institutional capital. We wanted to come in and really provide that and thought we could create a good niche there. Mm-hmm. Um, and then secondly, it's really fun. <laughs> I yeah. mean, like really fun to get a dig in there. There's companies have kind of a little bit of traction. They're kind of getting to product market fit and um, we might get into this a little later, but yeah. our lens on the world is how do we help you with your yeah. strategy? And that's kind of what yes. we feel like is our competitive advantage. Yes. So we'd like to help our portfolio companies scale. And from that C to series A stage, it's really um, an exciting time mm-hmm. because you've got such limited resources, both we think of it in terms of financial capital and also time. Your time is the most valuable. Yes. Um, and so like to help our portfolio companies try to get to what we call product market fit. And yeah. um, that is, you know, that critical part from seed to series A yeah. where we feel like we can add the most value. Yeah. Well, what I find, because we work with, of course, clients of all sizes as well. And what I love about that specific stage myself is that you're getting involved and you're coaching somebody along before they start making decisions that they have to unravel or it's something that they fall in love with that's not sustainable in the future. You're like, you're getting right at a good time and they're open to the feedback. They don't have their heels dug in about, it's gotta be this way. I really feel like, I feel like it's kind of um, an open, it's just a much more open set of dialogues. Like you're not hitting anybody in a crisis. You're hitting somebody at opportunity. Yeah, I think that's a great way to put it. Um, and we like to partner with you along your journey. So yeah. capital, it's not that interesting to us. But if we can actually help you think through how you're going to get to the yes. next stage, that's like a lot more fun. Yeah, um, we like when things aren't as figured out because it is that green field and you can yeah. dig in and understand mm-hmm. kind of what the challenges are. You can mm-hmm. get alignment. You can really kind of build from the ground up. And hopefully, mm-hmm. as you mentioned, you're building the right strategy so you, you can get ahead of issues that might have come up. Yes. With. Yeah. Yeah. So this kind of naturally leads to this next question. I know like that, I think that focus or the POV is um, Blue Stein focuses and advises your portfolio founders through the lens of strategy. So tell me a little bit more about what that means or did we already cover that? Um, yeah. Happy to tell you a little bit more about how we kind of 
dig in there. Mm-hmm. Um, so we like to think um, about go-to-market strategy, and that's thinking through how you get to product market fit. Mm-hmm. And we like to help our portfolio companies, you know, really dive into their strategy and make sure that every piece of the business is aligned and integrated. Okay. Um, so that you are you know, really defining what that strategy is um, for the future. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so we think of strategy um, in three kind of buckets. The yeah. first is your vision. So that's mm-hmm. what is your vision, your value proposition, mm-hmm. the opportunity, um, the customer you're going after, how you're going to differentiate um, in the market. The second is um, your playbook. So that's mm-hmm. kind of how do you build a really economically attractive um, growth engine to enable you to capitalize on your vision. So that's mm-hmm. sales and marketing strategy. That's your um, economic model. That's kind of what product you're going out with. Yeah. Um, and then the third piece is what we call your engine, which is the team. Um, and that's how you're going to really build your team to enable you to execute on your playbook to yeah. realize your vision. So yeah. those are kind of the three things that we think about when we think about strategy and getting you to product market gotcha. Because as we think about it, if you have all three of those together yes. and we give you, and then you go raise capital, that yeah. capital just fuels growth. Yeah. That's what we want companies to get to. Yeah. So interesting because in our work, we're, we're, we're setting clients up from that perspective as well, but they are, but the way we're entering into it isn't from necessarily a fund perspective or funding model perspective. But what I love is like the absolute alignment. It is um, not common for me to meet somebody at a VC or from an investment standpoint that sees the value proposition from a brand positioning standpoint to be just as critical as operationally, how are you going to be set up so that once you start scaling, you can meet the demand and things don't fall apart. So it's really wonderful to see that. And I love, and it must be, I'm sure that things are starting to move in that direction from an investment standpoint. So I love hearing that. And it must be fun to look at it from a bigger standpoint, from your perspective as well, or your team's perspective, and that you're not just looking at the charts and, and graphs and how do you sell, or, you know, what's your sales funnel look like or your sales strategy or, you know, how do we scale you X, Y, and Z? So I, I like that. Let's, um, now let's talk a little bit about the market right now. And specifically, I want to be talking about from like the investment standpoint, I have, I have conversations with people every week and kind of the big joke of 2020 for some of those um, brands that are going through funding that were not already in conversation before COVID hit is not being able to find the the, the groups where, where they can't find the VCs is very hard. And some organizations like NOSH are starting to put together panels where there can be some meetups, but um, how are firms like yours finding brands that you can support now? Are you doing your own efforts? Are you doing them through third parties? Yeah, we try to triangulate the market in all ways. Um, And so nothing's really changed in our world. It's just shifted to digital. So, (laughs) I mean, I think that's kind of the story of 2020, right? Um, And so we, we are generally finding investments in the same way and Uh that okay our network okay so our network is really our most powerful ally in generating 
And so we co-invest. Um, and so we look for kind of our like-minded collaborator co-investors um, to kind of bring us deals. We bring them deals. We kind of all collaborate and try to um, find new deals. So that's one way. And then the second way is, you know, the conference world has yes. gone digital this year. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we've shifted along with that. So we do a ton of, you know, pitch events, conferences, you know, whether it's, I know Bev, you mentioned BevNet and Nosh, they've done a bunch of great kind of investor speed dating yeah. and pitch events. Then there's Food Bites, Nutritional Capital okay. Network. There's um, a whole host of, of resources that yeah. I think brands can leverage to go um, out there for funding. It's not, you know, easy. Yeah. Um, probably have to have a lot more conversations than maybe you were expecting. Gotcha. But I think there are resources available. Um, you just have to kind of seek them out a little bit more. Yeah. The interesting thing is that with this virtual world has opened up, I think more geographies. So even like the past few months, we've started talking to a few companies that were in Europe and that it hasn't been on our radar at all. Oh. Um, and it probably wouldn't have happened if yeah. COVID hadn't happened and we weren't all virtual. Um, and so I'd encourage, you know, brands to think outside the box and okay. find investors. That's so interesting. So as I'm listening to you talk, I'm also thinking, well, maybe it's, it's still tr- um, maybe looking, pe- maybe people need to be utilizing their network a little bit more and asking a little bit more, like how, where should I go? How can I find potential financial partners? But then maybe it sounds like you guys are finding even more opportunities because without having to travel, you can actually attend more events quite literally on a weekly basis. Yeah, 100%. I actually, um, it, it's funny because my days are, you know, more stacked now because I yeah. don't have any breathing room between Zoom meetings. Yeah. yeah. Um, whereas before, you couldn't fit as much in during the day with travel. Yeah. You know, moving around. Yeah. Going to work, going home. So yeah, I've actually noticed that we're fitting a lot, a lot more in, and our deal flow has been. I think it's. I think our statistics are like at least thirty percent higher this year than they were. Wow last year. And I think that is a function of just having everything stacked in the day. Yeah. So this might be um, a permanent model change. Yeah. I mean, we'll see. I don't know how the, I think it'll be interesting to see how the hybrid model works. And yeah, I'd be curious to hear your thoughts on that as well. Yeah. Uh, Because I think it works if you're all virtual and it works if you're all in person, but I'm not sure how the hybrid is going to work. Well, yeah. And I think partly, you know, a lot of people joke about trade shows and there are a lot of money and there's a thing, you know, the, the time investment. Uh, however, I think humans still are kind of pack animally ish. And while, and, and we're also highly adaptable. So for the time being, Zoom works really, really well. I think that I think it'll probably eventually go to far more in-person back when it becomes safe to do that, because there's something about shaking somebody's hand and having um, a lunch or a quick five minute session in the hallway with somebody you haven't seen in a year or two or those things. I think those are just innate anthropological components of human nature. So I'll be curious too, to see how it works. I think people say they desire this zoom thing, but I can tell you at the end of the week of, infinite number of screen sessions. The last thing I want to do is be on a screen. You know, I, I like agree. check out. Yeah. yeah. Completely agree with you. And then it's how, how energizing is it today 
when you do end up meeting someone outside. Yeah. Oh, you come home and you're like, you're on a high because I saw Sam. Oh my gosh. Blah, blah, blah. Yes, absolutely. Yes. And the, and the dog park opportunities is where I get to interact with people. But Love do it. you feel like the, the types of the types of opportunities that are being brought to you guys now are different than they were before. And I I'll preface it by saying this, I wonder how many people who were affected by COVID hunkered down, started coming up with this, putting together ideas that have been maybe floating in the back of their mind for a couple of years or a couple of months, even, um, or people who just can't sit still and wait for the market to change and they're, and they're coming like ideas are coming faster and faster, or is it kind of just more of the same, just a different format? Yeah, we found, um, it's such a good question, but we found that most, um, mostly everything's been the same in terms of opportunities. So we invest at such an early stage, um, that we invest, we're investing in long-term trends. So we joked and we, we continue to joke that the trends we were betting on happening five years from now happened in eight weeks um, because wow. everything just accelerated, Yeah, um, you know, with, with the pandemic and shifting human behavior, yeah. I'm sure there'll be a shift kind of back, but that's yeah. been kind of just the same as what we've been looking at before gotcha. because we, we bet on these long-term trends and, yeah. and these trends are, are now realized they're here yeah. on grocery delivery is here. Yeah. Um, yes. Right. More, more consumers are going to adopt it, um, and sustain and stay with it over time. Um, so those things have just been kind of same old, same old for us. Yeah. Um, and then we've also on our side, we focus a lot, um, on building sustainable companies. So because we're family office, we want to be with the company for the long term. We want uh-huh. to build long-term sustainable companies. And so we focus a lot on cash efficiency and we always have. Gotcha. I think that's been more, more important for a lot more companies though. Um, yes. Since the pandemic hit because there's just so much uncertainty in the market. Yes. I'm pleased to see that a lot more companies are thinking about building kind of sustainable unit economics early, thinking mm-hmm. about how they can conserve cash. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's, that builds you up for, to be a more sustainable company over the long term. So I think gotcha. that's really the benefit. Okay. I, I feel like I'm going to ask all of these questions about what's, is this different? Is this different? And I almost want to kind of go, well, it's different and the same, right? Your process, maybe we could talk a little bit about your um, partnership and the process. Do you, have you typically in the past once you've engaged, once you engage with them and bring a, bring a client on, uh, do you see them as partners or clients or how do you talk about them? Uh, we talk about our entrepreneurs, our portfolio companies, our founders, you know. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. So your companies are your founders. Is the process a little bit different? Did you guys used to be a little bit more hands-on like meeting face-to-face or has it always just been a, a kind of a distance model? Um, it's been a hybrid of both. So okay. we invest across the U.S. And so we can't have as many touch points in person um, gotcha. anyway, but we definitely have thought more about, you know, moving things virtual and whether this can actually work long-term. I think, you know, some of the companies that we've, um, we used to travel for board meetings and maybe, yeah. maybe Zoom works for board meetings, three board meetings out of the year, and we only need to travel for one board meeting. Okay. 
And so we're definitely thinking through kind of what is necessary in terms of travel versus um, in person. But, you know, the partnership itself has remained the same. It's just the form of that. Has changed. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, we've talked a little bit about process and, you know, how you guys do things and how things are different, but maybe let's talk a little bit about what a good fit typically looks like for Bluestein. Sure. Happy to talk about what we look for. Yeah. Um, so we have, you know, different criteria we look at to evaluate companies and we have kind of a scorecard that we use Okay. We that against all companies so that we can be consistent with how we're evaluating companies. And so we have, you know, really seven criteria on the scorecard, but on a macro level, and I think I touched on this earlier, but yeah. the investor early. So what we look for is really, can this company get to product market fit? And so when we think about, okay, well, what does product market fit mean? Um, we think of it as a combination of really three things. One of that is, is there a significant market opportunity? So is there a large achievable addressable market? Is there an attractive customer base that you're going after? And then is this market winnable based on your kind of value proposition? Mm -hmm. That's kind of the first bucket we lump things in. And then the second one is, do you have an economically attractive growth engine? So do you have a product that delivers on what customers want? Um, Do you have strong organic and inorganic customer retention and acquisition? And then do you have a scalable unit economic model? So that's Mm -hmm. kind of the second bucket we we put things in. And then the third bucket is, do you have organizational excellence? That's what we call it. So uh, do you have an emerging A team? Um, Do you have core capabilities that, you know, you're going to be able to start building on over time? And then do you have a plan to kind of scale your team? Um, And you don't have to have everything thought out immediately. Sure. Um, but that's kind of those are the, the the certain criteria we look for when we think can this can this company get to product market fit, and so then as if we, if I drill down, you know, kind of reading between the lines of your question, um, if I'm talking about a brand, what jumps out at us and what we're really looking for when we're yeah. investing in brands is yeah. can this brand either be a category definer or a category leader. Mm-hmm. So for example, we invested in Vibe Organic, which is a two ounce wellness shot. And when we invested, right. the shot category in retail didn't exist. Like there was no market size yeah, okay. category in retail. So there was nothing really to evaluate on the, the market side. But what we invested in was, was really investing behind them being able to define the category and put that, you know, make Vibe almost synonymous with the shot category. And um, we've been you know, incredibly proud of how the team has executed along that. Um, but they really became the category definer. Um, and then if I look at kind of a Yerbe, um, which is a caffeinated sparkling water brand based on Yerba Mate, yeah. you know, sparkling water was already a category, but we yeah. bet on Yerbe because we do believe that they can lead that category um, and be that enhanced sparkling water brand, uh, even though the category was already kind of defined. Uh-huh. It's... Um... It's interesting when I think about, you know, these, these categories and this, um, these, these good fits, uh, because sometimes, and I don't, I don't know if if I'm going to couch this question correctly, but sometimes there's a coachability that you have to be able to judge, right? And it's hard, sometimes it's hard to see that coming in, like, 
okay, these, these guys look great. The numbers look great. The category looks great. We see an opportunity. Can this team be coachable? Are they going to be okay with bad news? Are they going to be, is that something that you guys are leading into, or do you guys kind of have enough experience or um, are comfortable with, okay, um, so if, if something was to get a little bit rocky, like you have the bandwidth and the wherewithal to take them through that, or I, you know what I mean? It's like, it's kind of a big businessy kind of question. Like, do I like these people as one part? And then can we coach them through as another part? Is that part of the criteria? Oh my God. Yes. <laughs> so, <laughs> I mean, we are betting on the entrepreneur or entrepreneur, yeah. um, yeah. Like we have to have supreme confidence in you. Yeah. And it's not only about you and your capabilities, yeah. you and your self-awareness, your coachability, your ability to attract good people around you. Mm-hmm. And that's definitely comes down to a judgment call. Yeah. Uh, and we evaluate that based on kind of pattern recognition yeah. and, and whether oh, we okay. connect with you too. Like, do we, do we feel like we, when we're having our conversations in diligence, that we are aligned in how yeah. we think the business should go and you think the business should go. Mm-hmm. When we provide kind of questions or feedback, are you accepting of that or do you push back on us? Um, and so we have to kind of judge those cues through yeah. our relationship development um, yeah. or diligencing the investment. Yeah. But yeah, this all comes back to the founders and the entrepreneurs because this is a journey and we want to partner with you and we want you to partner with us too. Mm. Hmm. Yeah, we've run into that as well too, right? You were like, okay, can can we can we coach these people through change? Do they want to be coached through change? It's a big one. Yeah, and I mean, it's it's a it's a marriage. You're dating, <laughs> you're getting married, and yes, you're together for a few years. Oh yes. So, you know, it has to be right on both sides. Yeah. Let's talk a little bit about those entrepreneurs. Is there some sort of consistent set of questions or concerns? Or um, I guess those, I'll just start with that, that the brands come in the door with, do you consistently find that because they're in the space that they're in, these are usually the hurdles or the questions that they're coming in with? Um, I think it depends on the different businesses and slightly different age and how their businesses are developing. So there isn't really one set of questions. I think when brands come to us, a lot of times questions we get are, you know, I think a lot of brands are curious, how do we evaluate investment opportunities? Uh-huh. What makes a good investment? And uh-huh. often if we pass, why we passed? I think a lot of brands are kind of curious around that. Um, and so we try to be very um, detailed in our feedback and open and transparent in how we're looking at things. Gotcha. Um, and then the second thing is, you know, a lot of brands come into the question with the question of like, how can you help me? Um, what do you bring to the table, which is good. You should mm-hmm. want your investors to bring something to the table. Um, yes. So we talk about kind of how do we get alignment around strategy and what are gotcha. your, we want to know what your key challenges are so we can see if we can be helpful. Um, and so I think those are kind of the two questions that we most often get. Mm. And when you're evaluating brands, I know there are a number, of course, because the opportunities outnumber what you can actually invest in. But do you, what are the, what are the, I don't know if there's common outage that, or, um, or stage, something that happens in pre-stage 
uh, people are coming to you and you're like, yeah, this is the common outage that people come, come into this conversation with that will say, come back to us in a year or come back to us when you've solved this. Is there something common or are there big three buckets or is it just kind of across the board? Yeah, I think um, what we like to see is that you've thought through the integration of those three buckets and you okay. don't have to have everything again thought out today. Mm-hmm. You don't have to have every piece of your business together. We invest in the early stage. We're very comfortable with a lot of pieces missing and a lot mm-hmm. of pieces. Uh, but what I want brands to think through deeply is their go-to-market strategy and why their go-to-market strategy, what makes you unique. So you can't just copy and paste from another brand. It's really about those integration points. So how does your vision connect to how you're going to market with your design deemed it their playbook? And then how are you going to win in the market? And then how do you set the organization up for success? Yeah. Able you to go capitalize on that. And then what we like to see is, are you asking the right questions? Like I, as an investor, I don't need you to know everything when you come to me, but what questions are you trying to answer? If I give uh-huh. you money and if I give you kind of time and resources, what, what are you trying to go use that capital to answer mm-hmm. so that you can flow that back in your business and make your kind of strategy and growth plan stronger? Mm-hmm. Um, those are kind of the areas that I like to see brands think through yeah. um, or you know, they come for investment and that gives me comfort that when I'm investing, as we were talking about in the entrepreneur, that they're asking the right questions, that they're thinking things through deeply, that they really do have that strategy for scale. um, Mm -hmm. And they're going to be able to measure and pivot along the way. um, And that they're not just copying and pasting their strategy from another brand. Like I'm going to do what RX bar did on, um, you know, going to gyms because it works for RX bar. Well, why would that work for your company? And yes, you know, don't just, just think about it from kind of a, that looks like it was successful for this other brand. So yes. I can give you an example with kind of Vive Organic. When they came to us, um, they, as I mentioned, they were building a category that didn't really exist. Mm-hmm. So when they launched, they had the challenge of going to build that category in, yeah. in their consumer base. And so what they did was they started out very locally, just in Southern California. Yeah. And they went through coffee shops. And so they stuck their product in a bowl in the coffee shop, yeah. in the, it, right at the um, checkout counter yeah. with ice in the bowl. And so it was a really complimentary product. And they were able to um, complement what the coffee shop was already offering, give them more revenue, um, and also develop a, a strong consumer base that didn't exist when they were launching. And so then they launched in retail. And when they launched in retail, they launched very, very locally. So only in Southern California. But because they had built their brand through coffee shops when they launched yeah. retail, the product kind of flew off the shelf. Yeah. Because everyone already knew what it was. Yeah. Um, and so they didn't go take every growth opportunity and every distribution point yeah. and blow out the brand before they knew what worked. They developed this playbook that worked with their product, that worked with um their capabilities as a team. And then they kind of developed this playbook that they could go apply in different markets. So um, that's just an example of kind of something that's really unique to that brand that yeah. wasn't copy and paste. Yeah. Yeah. I, I notice sometimes you can, you know, as you're, I don't know if you're the shopper in your household, but um, it's kind of hard 
when you are in this category and you do go grocery shopping and you are walking down the aisles and you're going, okay, well, that person cop this brand over here is copying this and this and worked really great for them. And it hurts my heart sometimes because, you know, the people are trying these, the, these, we're talking about these younger brands, the more sophisticated brands, they've got a playbook, they've got the expertise, but it's these younger brands specifically that are going, well, that worked for Kind or that worked for Vive or that worked for insert brand here. So I'm going to copy their design language. I'm going to copy their go-to-market strategy. And then I think they start to lose a little bit of what, who they are, because they start co-opting in order to uh, co-opting other strategies because they saw it was successful. And then they start to think, get confused about who they were and why they started and what their product or service was all about. Have you seen that yourself with some of the conversations or? 100%. I think you're so right. And you see things from your, your vantage point, because you see so many brands that you, you see them all kind of look the same. Yeah. And we also see a ton of brands. So we start to see a lot that look the same and and really, I like to ask always kind of what makes you unique and why, yeah. why are you going to get off the shelf? Yeah. I think a lot of brands get really excited when they get on the shelf and they get those distribution yeah. wins. And yeah, you've got to get on the shelf. That's kind of yeah. table stakes. But how are you going to get off the shelf and be differentiated um, against other people next to you? Yeah. When we're talking about those entrepreneurs now, I'm going to kind of separate them. There are the serial entrepreneurs, the ex-Coca-Cola person that comes in and has a great idea, understands the marketplace, they're building a plan. And then you've got the homegrown hatchery style entrepreneur that has a really great idea, does not even have the faintest idea that it was marketable and is learning it on the fly. When you are there key differences in those communications um, when you're when you're seeing those investment opportunities? Do you um, do you, in, I don't know, enjoy is kind of the wrong way to look at it, but is there one that seems to, one group that seems to be a little bit more coachable and their opportunities tend to be a little bit stronger or is it, or is it just pretty equal? It's pretty equal. I don't think that um, we did, um, we don't discriminate against entrepreneurs. Oh no. <laughs> all different backgrounds. Yeah. And I think, yeah, the serial entrepreneurs um, definitely come with their certain level of expertise. Yeah. Um, but sometimes that's not as, it's not as um, objective because they're going to take, okay. they might take whatever they were doing before and just apply it to whatever they're doing now. Gotcha. Okay. And the homegrown entrepreneur can say, oh no, I have this germ of an idea and I'm going to do things differently because I look at the category and everyone looks the same. And I think I have okay. something truly differentiated. So mm-hmm. I think everyone comes with their own perspective. And yeah. I think it's so important for brands to all come with their own perspective. Um, and I think it's about how, how you put your re- like other resources around you okay. that makes um, your company shine. So, mm-hmm. you know, homegrown entrepreneur doesn't have to have everything figured out. They don't have to have the expertise that a serial mm-hmm. entrepreneur does, mm-hmm. but can they go find some mentors or outsource advisors or yes. uh, who else can they put around them to kind of shore up their capabilities um, yeah. and accelerate their growth? So I'd encourage kind of all entrepreneurs to look for putting resources around yeah. them. I think they're weakest. Um, 
but no, I, I love both. I love talking to, you know, those who've done it before and those who haven't yeah. done it at all. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and that's why you have those incubators like, like the hatchery. And I wish I, I actually want to start building a network of my own of these incubators because we talk to we, we brands all the time, you know, they're reaching out to us. They need a package. They're just starting out. We're not the right fit for them, but I have a, I have a space in my heart for them and I want to go, okay, there's so much that I cannot help you with. But if you go to one of these places, they'll set you up with mentorship and they'll take you through the training and help you turn your idea into something. I love that I'm seeing more and more of those. Yeah, I love, I mean, accelerators are such great kind of communities to yes. to the ecosystem. I completely agree. And we have some, you know, great accelerators out there that I, all brands should kind of go explore. Yeah. um, There are ones that are very focused on CPG. There are ones that are, you know, very focused on sustainability. There are others like they're so targeted right now that I think you can find the right fit for your brand for sure. I mean, there's the good food accelerator in Chicago. There's the hatchery. Yeah. Relish works. There's Y Combinator. There's Mm. SLC. Target has an accelerator. I mean, there's so many opportunities that I think that's such a great way to kind of accelerate your brand for sure. Mm. Well, along that line now, this is kind of, for me, it's a tricky topic. Uh, You know, I started the podcast, this Gooder podcast as kind of a visibility platform and really wanting to raise the um, visibility of women in leadership in the CPG space. Love that. And and as I've been growing it, um, one of the biggest outages that I've seen is this um, diversity, the diversity in our industry in leadership specific, specifically is lacking. And so creating those opportunities for biopic and LGBTQ and disabled leaders, people we don't, we're not seeing traditionally in the naturals industry specifically. And part of that is that, you know, without the visibility, people don't have anything to look for. And so, um, I think I, I think in investment, there's a little bit of that going on as well. Um, if um, all of these if all of these people ha- don't know about how to find investment or that investment how investment works because they're a startup or they come from a community that traditionally hasn't had access to either the education or anything like that. I wonder what is happening in your world? What's happening in investment? And we're seeing some of that with like the potluck network is coming together, but what's happening in your community? And maybe you can even talk about Bluestein further in being able to outreach to these communities that traditionally haven't had visibility. Absolutely. First of all, I love that you're doing this and I love that you're elevating the voices. Um, I think that's so important because if you can't see it, you can't be it. Yeah, um, And so I just think it's, yeah, incredible that the community is kind of coming together and starting to elevate that and you're doing an awesome job um, in your world. So, you know, absolutely this year has been an awakening for everyone. And I, I know I want to raise women underrepresented communities. I want to raise voices and increase kind of the pipeline there. And so we are definitely thinking deeply about this internally. Mm-hmm. And so there are a couple ways that we started to think about it. Um, first, 
you know, for us, since we're very analytical and metric focused, um, <laughs> of course, your super, put your superpower hat on, figure out yeah, how to go from there. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, we thought, well, we can't improve what we don't measure. So we went back okay. and we looked at how we were performing and over our portfolio. I mean, we're not terrible. We're yeah. 30% of our companies have female founders and 30% okay. underrepresented founders. So, you know, that's not, you know, awful, but we can do better. And mm-hmm. so we certainly want to increase that. Mm-hmm. And so the last three deals we've done have all had founders from upper underrepresented communities. So, you know, we're, we're really happy about that and proud. Um, but we want to make sure that we have really first and foremost, the widest funnel possible at the top. Okay. Because we know, you know, our track record, the last three deals, we know that if we screen them, they'll make it through the, the funnel and the pipeline. So, yes. um, so yeah, so we're thinking about how do we kind of widen the funnel and make sure that we're welcoming, um, to all founders and that we're, we're proactively going to source them. Okay. Um, instead of kind of just waiting for them to come to us. Okay. Um, and so the, we also just started a pilot program of monthly office hours targeted to founders of okay. the community. So um, if you know anyone who's interested, it's on my LinkedIn page. We have okay. a calendar that's public and once a month we are going to have office hours and um, anyone who wants to chat with us and about their, if they want advice, if they want investment and okay. whatever we're open. So, okay. uh, you know, feel free to, to sign up. Um, on my, um, on my calendar page. Okay. Uh, we're always looking to do better. So I encourage anyone to send us ideas or feedback on how okay. to initiatives forward. Okay. So when you say you are um, actively seeking out then that, oh, are you, um, does that mean that you're going different places to look for people or you're asking your network different questions or what? I, I'm just curious how that, how that's manifesting. Yeah, we're, I mean, we're, we're trying to broaden our um, co-investor network and investor gotcha. network, okay. um, so that we can increase our deal funnel. Okay. We have our okay. investors that we are already networked in with and mm-hmm. other accelerators that we're already kind of networked in with, but um, trying to broaden that funnel as much as possible and um, mm-hmm. you know, explore different avenues that we haven't connected with before. That's awesome. Thank you. Thank you for answering that question. And you know, it's so funny. I asked these questions because I had a great conversation with Kimberly Lee Miner and we were talking about culture change within organizations. And she's a, she's a cultural change manager. And one of the things that she said is like underrepresented, underrepresented communities don't have the power to make the changes, Diana. She's like, you're white you have the power. So she goes, you need to use your network. You need to use your voice to create those opportunities. So I'm now like, okay, now I'm going to, now I'm going to be the one asking the questions to the people that hold the power, hold the, you know, as part of this. So thank you for answering that question. I appreciate yeah. it. And we're, we're very, I mean, we're just thinking through this now and yeah, open to any ideas or feedback. So please reach out to me. Yeah. Okay. Give me any any thoughts you have? Of course. So as we're kind of home stretching this here, we've talked about um, business from all perspectives, but I'm curious what keeps you excited and energized about doing what you do? Um, what keeps me energized is um, is entrepreneurs. I mean, really? yeah, the passion for their business, it, it gets me excited. Mm. It gets me energized. I get to see so much innovation from 
my vantage point that um, that I love it. And and if I can help entrepreneurs achieve their goals, that is just like the most energizing thing um, that I can, you know, that I can think of. So they, um, they come with their own little stockpile of energy, right? They're so passionate. Yep. Yep. Yeah. And if you feel like you can kind of help them on their yeah. journey like that, whether we invest or not, if I can right. help on the journey, that just gives, you know, selfishly, it gives me satisfaction and <laughs> I, hope it, <laughs> I hope it helps, you know, the entrepreneurs themselves, but gotcha. you know, you, you just, you want to, if someone wants to achieve something big and great, you want to help them do that. Yeah. Well, just a couple more questions here before we wrap up. One of the things that I like to ask is, what are you excited about? What are you seeing out in the marketplace that has you interested and has your eyeball on? And this could be product, this could be service, that could be, this could even just be in the investment community. I'm just curious, what, what are you excited about? What are you watching right now? Um, so what am I excited about? I think I'm excited about a couple of areas um, in the space we invest in. Okay. Uh, one of those uh, is kind of personalization. I think okay. that that's just such an exciting um, opportunity and that we're finally getting mm-hmm. science and the data to kind of align to enable brands to really personalize um, to consumers. So I want to see more in that area. Okay. Um, okay. And then the other place that I think is really exciting is just thinking broadly around alternative protein. So I think that there's been such a, historically, um, the products that have come out in alternative protein have been so inferior to typical traditional protein, (laughs) like seafood, dairy, um, that now that we're seeing such innovation, that the taste and the texture is there, that there really is little trade-off for the consumer to go with um, a plant-based product versus mm-hmm. a um, traditional product. I mm-hmm. think that's kind of exciting and opening up new worlds because I don't think anyone, why would you choose to harm an animal um, or consume an animal product if you could get the exact same product without? So um, those are two places that you know we're keeping our eye on. Oh, interesting. Okay, I like that. Yeah, and what then you? what's exciting you? Oh my gosh, what's exciting me? I continue to, I know this sounds really crazy. I continue to be surprised um, about RTD just in general. Every time I think, yeah, what else can be created? A whole new something comes out. So like sparkling coffee, like never in my life would I have thought that that was a thing. And of course that's a thing. And at one point I used to laugh at myself. I think about five years ago, I was like, somebody needs to come out with a coffee and tea mashup. And sure enough, there's a coffee and tea mashup and it just, (laughs) RTD is, um, so I, I watch that space quite a bit, but for me, I think the biggest, the thing that I am keeping my eyeball on is two things. One is, um, the environment, anything that can reduce the footprint of manufacturing, whether it's um, creating multiple locations, commands across the country, sharing uh, shared resources rather than central dist- centralized distribution, kind of removing all of that type of thing, being able to um, down to packaging, um, shortening the lead time on manufacturing, all of that kind of stuff. Everything that can kind of reduce an environmental footprint is for me, um, the, 
I think the big challenge, um, and then the, um, I th actually, I think that's, that's what I'm watching. And I would love to find a way, um, to reduce the amount of food waste. I, it's heavy in my heart, how much product is thrown away before it even enters the food chain. And then to know that people are hungry is, um, is a challenge for me too. And, and that might be something that's not a CPG type of thing, that'd be more of a societal, societal thing, but that I, so I'm, I'm looking at both of those. Yeah. We actually, on the food tech side, we're investors in a company called Mori, which takes silk protein and coats perishables, um, to extend shelf life. Um, and so we were, you know, really excited about their potential and really thinking deeply also, I mean, for sure on the kind of tech side, how do you, yeah. how do you increase sustainability, um, yeah. and, or, you know, lower your kind of environmental footprint for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Just, you know, if we're throwing away 30% of product before it gets used, just think of all of the energy that goes into growing those products that, I mean, even that alone, right? So, and it's because people want the perfect apple to end up on. It's all of those kind of crazy. So anyways, much bigger picture than just like, I'm, um, than RTD. Oh yeah. We could talk all day about <laughs> other theses and around sustainability. Yeah. Um, yeah. for sure. For sure. Um, how are you keeping yourself sane these days? You're on zoom all day long. You're in your place. Like, what are you doing to take time for yourself? Um, so I have found over the past year that as long as I can be outside for a little bit during the day, that keeps me sane. So okay. I take a lot of walks. I start the day very early morning walks, um, outside. Um, so I try to do that. That's the one, my one thing I have to do every day, um, along with, uh, try to get in a lot of yoga and a lot of reading. Okay. Oh, reading. Okay. And I think before we go, which I, I've just really enjoyed our time together. I, how do you want people to connect with you? Is LinkedIn the best way, or do you have an email address? What's your preferred method? Yeah. Feel free to connect on LinkedIn and okay. then you can also email me anytime. My email is Ashley, A-S-H-L-E-Y at bluesteinventures.com. Okay. Thank you. Thank you so much for your time today. I hope you had a little fun and a um, little break from your day from doing, well, I guess it's probably more Zoom time, but I really enjoyed our time together. Oh, I loved talking to you. We could do this more often. This is a great <laughs> This episode is sponsored by Retail Voodoo, a creative marketing firm specializing in growing, fixing, and reinventing brands in the food, beverage, wellness, and fitness industries. If your naturals brand is in need of positioning, package design, or marketing activation, we're here to help. You can find more information at retail-voodoo.com. And so there you go. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Thank you so much for hanging out with us today. And if you haven't already, be sure to subscribe to this channel and share with your network. Until next time, be well and do gooder.